Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park going on affirminators welcome to another episode of affirmative murder i'm alvin williams joined as always by my partner in true crime franco evans what up folks uh it has been quite the memorial day weekend we have two game sevens uh on the horizon well technically it's monday today so one happened on sunday and either me and fran are either currently ecstatic or we are terribly upset that lebron james was eliminated from the eastern conference finals so that is yet to be determined but we will know as of when you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> uh, and then Monday night, there will be the Houston Rockets playing the... Uh, what's a nice word we can use to describe this team? They're um, stacked. Well, that's, they're yeah. stacked. That's just a fact. That doesn't that doesn't pick sides. I hate this team very much. So the Golden State Warriors. So to all, my, uh, all our listeners out there in the Bay, shout out to you guys. But your team is fake. It's fraudulent. It was bought like the Yankees, and I hate them. But uh, congratulations to them for making it to another finals and so on and so forth. I'm sure a lot of you people listening don't really care about sports, maybe, but maybe you do. I don't know. Anyway, Fran, what is going on with you, man? Nothing much. Uh, it's been a hell of a week in, the, I guess you would say, the Baltimore County area. Yes. I didn't know if he was going to bring that up or not. Well, I completely had forgotten a little bit, but now that you bring it up, yes. Um, uh, last week sometime, I don't know exactly when, a female police officer was murdered by, uh, she was shot and then ran over, right? That's what they said. That's what they said. I know yeah. she was ran over. Yeah. I believe she was shot before then, but I don't know for sure. Anyway, there were four kids. They had, mo- they had driven out to a suburban area in Baltimore um, called Perry Hall. Police were notified about it. They came out. Uh, there was an altercation, and the kid, one of the kids who was in the stolen vehicle that they used to get out there, either the lady was shot and then ran over, or she was just ran over. Anyway, since then, and what happened to that lady was tragic, and it was sad. And and I don't want to I don't want to get controversial or or say anything that seems insensitive, but I'm gonna try to. Uh, elaborate on my thoughts as we talk about this but um yeah it was pretty crazy her funeral was on friday Mm -hmm. and it was uh the most insane showing of people i've ever seen everybody had like those those flags i thought were only on the internet like like they were black and blue flags Mm -hmm. they were american flags but they were like black and blue like for blue lives matter right 
They had those like on the back of their trucks. It was a million white people. They had parked their cars on the side of a highway, which I haven't seen. I don't think I've ever seen that. Mm-hmm. And unless like uh, there was a terrorist attack reported, like a, an emergency where you need to get off of the road because something, something bad is happening. But there were people parked their cars on the side of highways and then walked over like across highway traffic to walk through some bushes to get onto the main road to be a part of the funeral. Yeah, well, on my way here, you know, on my way here, I take 695, and uh-huh. then on the the bridges across, it's just it's flags. People got oh, yeah, yeah, flags yeah. and yeah, flowers uh-huh. and balloons. I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I believe the story made uh, national news. I want to um, pull up the story so I can, so I, you know, I can um, really speak on it with detail. But um, the te- the headline for the article in the Baltimore Sun says Baltimore County police officer's death ignites a racial firestorm, which I think is crazy because and I want I don't want this to sound hypocritical. So you let me know if it does. The whole inc- like all these incidents of police officers killing black people, right? There have been white people involved in those Asian people involved in those black cops have been involved in those things. The the. The only through line of all of that is cop. And and understand that people will say, this these white cops killing these black kids or black people or whatever. I understand that is a narrative that happens in these stories. But for me, it has always been about the abuse of power less than less than about like white people in police uniforms being like, I'm going to go kill black people today. I think mm-hmm. it's more about they have on this badge and this uniform and they go, well, I have authority mm-hmm. and I'm going to lord that over you. And if you don't listen to me, I take that as a personal attack and I will do whatever I need to do to submit you. Right. And your life doesn't, what your concerns or your comfort or your arm being jammed behind your back, none of that. I don't give a shit about any of that. You do what I tell you to do because I'm the police. Mm-hmm. That's been my argument about all those, all these police killings. It's never been like, see, look, this cop was white and this person was black. Mm-hmm. I've seen cops hurt people that aren't black you know so that's been a concern of mine for this incident to be turned into a racial thing is disgusting to me because this woman was a police officer she was in the line of duty as bad as that sound, and this is where i'm getting into I, I, i'm trying not to sound insensitive mm-hmm. or or ignorant but as as horrible it is as it, as it is that, that lady was killed she signed up to be a police officer mm-hmm. she went to a call guns were drawn that is a situation that a police officer is going to be in a thousand times. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do about that. Mm-hmm. So to say that this is like, oh, this black kid killed this white cop. It's like, no, they showed up to a scene. These kids were doing something illegal. They shouldn't have been doing it. They had guns. And that turned into a situation that police have to handle. Right. I don't think race has anything to do with that case. So to make it about that is gross to me. And that's how I feel about it. You know what I mean? If that makes sense, I'm tr- I yeah, hope it makes I, sense to people. I, I agree. I totally agree with you. But I'm to me, it's like now, what if this this kid was white? If it was white, it would still it would. I think I would hope it would be just as messed that's, up. Okay, that's but what, I don't that's, think it would be. Th- that's my question to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's I, what I'm saying. Okay, I that's agree. I agree. Like with you. for example, we we talked briefly, uh, discussed briefly on this show in January mm-hmm. about that black cop that got killed in West Baltimore. Mm-hmm. There was no parade. I mean, I'm talking about when they shut. When I say they shut down traffic this past Friday, it was insane. There were two two of the main roads in, in Baltimore, like Bel Air Road and Hartford Road. They were they're at a point where you get to where the around the area where this happened, where this mm-hmm. lady's funeral was, you could not get in. You it was bumper to bumper traffic. They had motorcycles 
they had motorcycles surrounding the hearse on the highway. Yeah, the highway was, was completely empty. It was insane, man. I was. They had. Like, a, they had. I wow. saw. I, some, somebody. I don't know if it was from the, from the state or what, but there was a crane, a big giant crane that they had a a hundred foot long American flag hanging from it. I mean, they they sent this lady off beautifully, right? And that's and that's Most great. Definitely, yeah. But this cop that got shot in West Baltimore under mysterious circumstances, he was like off duty, got shot in the back alley. They shut West Baltimore down. They never found his killer. And there was no story in the, you know, big headline on the, you know, this didn't make national news. A cop got slain. And I'm not saying it was because he was black. What I'm saying is why when this black kid is, he's a criminal before anything, Mm -hmm. before he's black or white or whatever, he's a criminal who was breaking into people's houses. And I think that that makes him a big piece of shit. Right. But for this story to become a headline and to become a rallying cry to the, to the right, Mm -hmm. like, see, this is why we want we don't want people kneeling in the at the at the football games because these are the people you're kneeling for these criminals. It's like this is the no. example that they're going to use. I think this kid, you know, he didn't do it on purpose, but he ruined a lot of talks for the next like yeah. five to ten years at mm-hmm. least of if there was even a bit of a conversation ready to be had, which I don't I don't know if there was, but if there was, he became the poster for fuck uh not not uh, being on the side of police mm-hmm. because these police are out here dying and da 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 and all that stuff. And I agree with all that. Being a police officer is a difficult job. Right. But me being black isn't a job. So I don't know why there, there has to be some kind of equivalency. Like when the Black Lives Matter thing happened for this Blue Lives Matter thing to come out was like, yeah, but that's a job. Mm-hmm. Like you're a police officer. Right. It's a tough job. Why are you comparing your plight to the plight of just a human being living his life? I'm not. I didn't sign some contract one to of them, be black. One of them is a choice, and the other one's not. That's what I'm saying. Exactly right? right. So I don't understand how that became a, an equivalency, right? You know, and that's what that's what this story is becoming. Where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, y'all want to talk about cops killing black people all the time, but what about when black people kill cops? It's like people kill cops. Cops die sometimes. It's terrible, but that's the line of duty that they're right. in. It's, it's just you know, once they once everybody found out the kid was black, they was, that's when everybody was like, oh shit, here we like. Oh yeah, oh, I mean, I, I personally, it's Memorial Day weekend and I was like, I'm staying in the house. Right. Because, and, and, and you can, you can say to a, to a, to me or to anybody that's black or brown or whatever that, oh, what an overreaction, man. Like, uh, you think that just cause this story, you know, people are mad at this kid that that reflect like, cops are going to be headhunted. People It's like, I don't know. But mm-hmm. what I will say to anybody who is, uh, white a white male a white female even what i will say to you is you have never known what it's like for the country to be on high alert and you be you look like the person that everybody's mad at Mm -hmm. i I don't i don't know a time that that, that's that that's ever happened you know so when 9 11 happened and if you were brown and wore, you know, religious clothes, mm-hmm. it was like, well, fuck you. You yeah. know, it was like everybody was like, look, I, you know, you looking at your side a eye. Wrap on your head. Yeah, a turban. If you had a turban on mm-hmm. or you wore, you know, any of those, any draperies a or beer, whatever. If you had yeah, a long yeah, beard. It was like, whoa, whoa, what's this guy doing? Yep. You know, yep. I don't, I, you can't name me a time that that's ever been the experience of being white in America. This has happened to me. This has happened to me several times. I've, I've been profiled several times in my life. Have I been beaten by police officers? No. But me and Fran... And the, and the same incidents have been pulled over and people, you know, they're like, y'all got any, you know, what's going on, man? Y'all got any weed in the car? What's up? And just like asking us, like, it's a matter of fact, like mm-hmm. they're trying to be our friend or yep. like, you know, and it's like uh, me and Fran both work very hard to not be profiled in life mm-hmm. and, and to, you know, Fran's a father, you know, he's trying to set a good example for 
his kid and, and live a righteous life and not end up, you know, in a situation that isn't becoming of him. Mm-hmm. And me, I have a dog. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't want my dog to be looking at me shamefully because <laughs> I'm in, I got a DUI and I'm do, I'm in the drunk tank, you know, just, you know, sweating out the alcohol. Mm-hmm. So I live my life as righteously as possible to try to not be a stigma. I'm very proud to sit here and say I made it to 25. I've never been in jail. Mm-hmm. I've never been shot. I've never been in a gang. Everything that people say, black people black young black men are doing today i've been able to avoid and i'm very proud of that so when you are able to come to me and paint me with some broad stroke well you know well black people you know y'all need to you know why are y'all all just like in gangs it's like first of all i'm not any of those things right. that you describe that's disrespectful it's very disrespectful you know black people need to do this is like i in the same way that i don't think black people are monolithic i don't think white people are monolithic i don't think hispanic people are monolithic there's all types of people in inside of a particular race and i'm not one of those human race people that are like yeah man we're all human race but i'm saying you can be black and want better for your people but not be going through the circumstances that that particular sect of black people are going through like i want chicago to not have as many murders as it has Mm -hmm. do i live in chicago no am i in a gang no am i like below the poverty line no but i'm still black and i want people that look like me to do better right but okay what what is your first reaction if you used to get pulled over my uh, well, first of all, my first reaction when I get pulled over is I always keep my wallet in my back pocket. So I take my wallet out of my back pocket and I put it in that little there's a little notch where you can put coins on your mm-hmm. door. Mm-hmm. I put it right there and I keep my my hands in plain sight mm-hmm. and I roll my window down and I comply. But what know? would be your first reaction? Like when, this weekend? No, I mean like if you was to get okay, if you was to get pulled, if you go to the store today and uh-huh. a police pull, a police car pulled behind you with his lights on and the, the siren, or whatever. Uh-huh. What is your first reaction? How do you react? A sigh. Sorry. Like I, I would okay. be like, what? I mean, like, I don't want, I don't want to interact with police at all, you know. Hey, so that, it's just like for me, it would be like, oh shit, it'd be like, like what is, what is the, like today, I pulled up to a light and the light was red, and there was a police sitting right there. And I was huh? like, I'm not gonna take it this way. I took another. Yeah, way. I think just because, yeah. just because I felt like. If I stop here, he's probably gonna run my plates. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? I'm gonna take it another way. I just and and I don't, I don't think, and I, I'm not saying that's not the experience of every person of every color and creed yeah. in the country, but I think that that should be something we have to look at. Then, if 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 police aren't making you feel safe, like police don't make me feel safe. No, obviously, if like, I, and 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 this could be hypocritical as well. Like, if somebody broke into my house, yeah, I would call the police because that's like what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But the sight of just it's almost like you see a bear in the woods. I don't think that's how police should be to be like when I see a, a like a, a a wild police officer or just like one just loose on his own, mm-hmm. like just a cop car in a corner somewhere. I'm like, oh, fuck, let me fuck, you know, like, <laughs> or I'm walking into a store and there's a police car parked in front of the store. I'm like trying not to make eye contact. It's like I don't want to do anything to make you want to approach me. Right. Exactly. And I don't think that should be a job of a police officer. I think a job. Of, I think you sh- when you see a police officer, you should be like, yeah, all right, man. Right. Keep keep doing your thing. Right. Thank you. But in a city where we have had so many uh, corrupt co- cop incidences, especially in the past year, um, the whole Freddie Gray incident, it just tension between police officers and in, in, in the black community is not good. Mm. And this didn't help at all. This really did not help. All this did was go, well, this is why you guys have problems with the police. It's cause you kill police. And it's like, well, I don't kill police. Mm. So why should I, because I resemble somebody who comes from a, a, a poor area and is going through socioeconomic things that I have no idea about. Why? Cause it's, why is it that because I look like that person, I should have to be, uh, 
I have to prove to you that I'm not a danger to you. Yeah. You know. You think you think they're gonna release the the body cam video? Um, I don't think so. Don't think so. I think it's Be- gonna get out some somehow. I don't think so because there's nobody on this kid's side. And anybody yeah, that is on this kid's side is is super gross. Anybody who's defending this kid, I think, is gross as well. I'm not I'm not here defending this kid. Oh no, he did something awful, and and he's going to go to jail. But the the um the ferocity that he is about to receive, I think, is going to be heightened because of the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Obviously, what he did was wrong, and he deserves to go to jail. But uh, you know, people call him the N word and saying he deserves to fry and, and yeah. saying all like, black people I, are like this. It's bringing out a thing in people. Oh yeah, of course. Because I it was, gives yeah, it gives them on, an example. I was of on hate. Twitter and then people say so much crazy stuff when it is it. I'm I just be shocked sometimes. Yeah, I try somebody to said it somebody said thank you. No, they said to the person who called the police, thank you because two people had two people basically died: the cop and the child. So he was blaming the person that called the police on the, on them, the kid? See, them seeing a random car on their block. Well, they were stealing stuff. So I but don't, they, yeah. But, I, but I, they called the random, it was a random car sitting on the block. So they was like, they called Oh, so the they were saying good? They, no, they were saying. Well, they were being sarcastic. They were being sarcastic. Saying, right? They were yeah, saying yeah, thank yeah. you to that person. But I'm saying they was blaming that person that called the police. Yeah, it was like, um, well, were you supposed to just let the kid? Or like, again, and I think we say this on the podcast enough, and I think that, um, so I, I believe that it's within our, you know, it's on brand for us to say, we are definitely the type. I think we just said a couple episodes ago, like if you genuinely think that somebody is in your neighborhood and is up to no good, yeah, call the police for right. sure. Yeah. But if that car was parked in front of a house talking to the owner of the house and you call the police, <laughs> you look super racist. Right. But if there's just a car with tenant windows parked on your street, not moving, mm-hmm. not, you know, uh, not talking to anybody on the street and, and it's there for a long amount of time, if you feel uncomfortable... Yeah, call the police. But like I, like we said on this podcast before, be prepared to back up your actions, though. Right. Because if that goes sideways, and that's just a guy who was, you know, waiting for his mom to come home, and he lives there, and now he's hemmed up on the, on the hood of his car by the police, you did that, mm. you know? Now, I don't, um, in this circumstances, for you to know how this played out, for you to go, well, thanks a lot. Now you killed a young black kid and because you called the cops he had to defend himself and now a cop's dead it's like well no if that kid was with a group of kids who was willing to do that that was inevitable you know that was going to happen if it if it happened that day or if they tried if they got away with what they were doing at some point that kid was in a circumstance where it was going to lead to him going to jail or dying Mm. so there's no need for sarcasm in that situation but again we're not defending that person at all um i think what he did was awful but i think what he did was more criminal it was not more it was fully criminal i don't think he thought about that cop being a white lady for one second when he hit the gas or whatever i think he felt like his life was in danger they shot the cop shot at the car and then he just put the car in gas and ran a person over i think that's terrible but i don't think he was like let me run this whitey white devil over Mm -hmm. fuck her you know i don't think that was the case but now the media, not the, I don't want to even say it was the, it's the media. People with hate in their heart were just wait, they were waiting for something to be able to grab onto. Mm. And this is the thing yep. to be able to go, he's evil, black teens are evil, the black community has a problem, and we need to talk about that, not kneeling or, 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 you know, guns or anything. They need to fix themselves. This mm. is what this, this kid's 
is re- reignited if it wasn't dead at all which i don't think it was he has reignited the black on black crime uh what about black on black crime thing mm-hmm. where you go well you know if we had more school programs like no what you need is that these kids don't have any parents y'all aren't raising your kids right he is the face of that every time you try to have a, a discourse about trying to fix what's going on in these communities because nobody wants to talk about why this kid and his friends felt the need to drive out to Perry Hall mm. to steal from a house, whether it's because they needed money, they needed to talk to somebody, they just had anger in them, they're misguided, they don't have anybody to look up to. These are all real problems, and these are all real things that you could try to solve the issue with. Mm. All that was was a reaction to something that was going on in those kids' lives that made them do that. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this kid killed a cop. Mm-hmm. Not why he killed a cop, how he ended up in that situation. That that's all done, and I don't think that kid he didn't do it on purpose, but he is now the face of that. Oh yeah, but it's it's a lot of other shit that people could ask why this and why that. So it's like oh yeah, for sure. It's just like why was he out? And he was on house arrest. Yes, like why it, that? Um, like it's it, just it's crazy. It was just a mess. It was it was a couple of days. People if, for the people that didn't know. Yeah, so that's what's going on in Baltimore these days. I think it's died down. It didn't get as crazy as I thought it was going to get it. But on Friday, I legitimately had a feeling of, oh, I think people should probably stay in the house this week. Like, if you're black and you're you're a young, if you're like 16-year-old black kid with, a, like, a little bush, hmm. stay home this weekend, you know? But it's died down, and I haven't heard about any kind. Even, I mean, the inter- if you look on the internet, it looks like a race war is about to spark off. But people say a lot of crazy shit on the internet. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we really uh, really got deep on that one. But uh, let's uh, lighten the mood a bit and let's get into these good vibes. Yes, that's right. Let's get that guck of that... Uh, um, tragic story off of us. Let's talk about some good vibes. So, Fran, I want to talk to you about a kid named Richard Jenkins real quick. Okay. So, Richard Jenkins is from Philadelphia. He used to sleep in a homeless shelter. This kid was, but they, the, the kids at the homeless shelter used to call him Harvard, right? So, but they used called, to call him Harvard. They used to call him Harvard, but they called him that in a bad way because oh. you know people, you know people don't like the kid that's always trying to. What you trying to learn? Why are you not out here riding bikes with us? Oh, that's so, why know. they call him that. Yeah, they call oh, him okay. like um, like, like it a, was the calling him nerd. Right. But they right. call him like Harvard. Right. Oh, oh, excuse me, Mister. Oh, you want a beverage? Oh, beverage. Uh, we call it juice, <laughs> Mister Harvard. You know, shit. We call me. it something to drink. Yeah, yeah. We call it yeah <laughs> with an A. <laughs> we call it something to drink around here, Harvard. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, it's a little precipitation out there, nigga. It's rain. You know. Like, oh, whoa! Uh, <laughs> Harvard man. So yeah, uh, Jenkins attends uh, Gerard College. It's a boarding school in North Philadelphia, and uh, he's the valedictorian this year. Hmm. So um, he's 18 years old. He found out uh, that he was accepted into Harvard. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so he is literally Harvard now. Right. Uh, he found this out while he was on a school trip to Paris. Uh, and he um, he said on Wednesday that he was so excited that he threw his cell phone in the middle of the call. So um, the twist of the story is that, you know, like this kid is really poor. So I don't know why you're, you know, don't throw your phone. Mm-hmm. You might not be able to just get a new phone. <laughs> right. But it's big news because he got a, he got a full ride scholarship to Harvard. So wow. he got accepted and they have this scholarship program for kids who live in households that make less than 
$65,000 a year, mm-hmm. which I thought was a lot of money. Yeah. So, but I, think I guess if you go to Harvard, you're it's, a broke boy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. True. Oh, you only make 65k. Oh. <laughs> How do you survive on that? You can't get a Tesla with that kind of money. But if I was making, I mean, you know, if I was making 65k, regularly per year i'd be pretty happy yeah me but too. <laughs> you know I, I don't live in those circles you know what i mean i don't go to harvard parties you know what i mean like 65 like like you say that at the harvard party, like oh oh man how do you make your mortgage you know? plus i laugh at you yeah like, oh, <laughs> oh are you do you work for the catering i thought you were i thought you were at this party i didn't realize you were working the party it's like no i mean i know dave i just I'm here to i'm here for the par- oh yes cool i'll have a refill <laughs> broke boy um but yeah, so uh, this kid is literally now Harvard. Um, he is he is Harvard bound. Uh, he said, "I was so embarrassed to say I lived in a shelter, um, but that's when I realized I've got to buckle in because I can't have my potential kids going through what I'm going through now." So this kid is like the young version of Will Smith in uh, the Pursuit of Happiness. You yeah. know, he has some struggles, but he didn't stop the grind. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's I think that's that's the most inspirational part of any kind of you know overcoming story to me is it's when that adversity hits you, you could turn to alcohol, you could turn to drugs, you could just give up. But when you decide to push through and stay on your path, I think that's like such a sign of like what human beings are capable of. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's super dope. Uh, I want to give a, a big time shout out to Richard Jenkins. You are Harvard bound, man. Nobody can take that away from you. And um, rock the world, man. And don't ever end up in a homeless shelter again. You know, like, if you can help it, you know, get your education, get a dope job, and make more than $65,000 a year so people aren't calling you a broke boy in your Harvard circles. Right. Um, but, yeah, so shout that's out to Richard cool. Jenkins. I think that's super dope that you go from living in a, ho- uh, a homeless shelter and being called Harvard uh, sarcastically to now you actually are accepted to Harvard on a full ride. I think that's dope as shit. So shout out to Richard Jenkins. Yeah, man, the only way to, for, that, for him to go down is up. There you, there you go. Yeah, sometimes you got to hit rock bottom yeah. to come back up, you know? Or just start at rock bottom, because that's basically where you started That's at. true. Yeah, you started from the bottom. Now we here. Richard Jenkins. That's cool. Um, My good vibe story this week, once my computer stops being slow, <laughs> Um, it's about a mom who adopted a black kid from Uganda. Okay. And her Was it Angelina had... Jolie? No. Uh-uh. Okay, cool. So I'm going to tell the story. So this mom's testimony of kindness is just another example why kids have the, the purest hearts. Mm-hmm. It was a quiet morning when Tr- Tristy Lee Rowden okay. of Aluga, Oklahoma, oh. took her two kids. <laughs> that sounds like a, a lily white woman. Yeah. Is she <laughs> white? A, uh, it's not not a picture, but I'm I think she, yeah. Oklahoma lily lit was it? What is it? Tristy Lee. Tristy. Yeah. yeah, Tristy Lee. Yeah, so she took her two kids, Asher and Mercy, to the park this yeah, week. Asher. Since it was still early in the day, the youngsters spent the first part of the trip of their trip playing by themselves. Then a group of fifth grade boys from Aluga Upper Elementary showed up and started playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Rowden says that since she adopted the seven-year-old Asher from Uganda, he can be shy around other kids as a result. Oh! But this time, as he quietly stepped back to watch these boys play, they approached him instead. It says, quote, all the boys came over and shook Asher's hand and introduced themselves. Then they asked him to play with them. That's what she said, quote. And she also said that, quote, they were they were so kind, they included him by letting him catch and throw the ball, and they cheered him on and high-fived him. Nice. It seriously brought tears to my eyes, especially being the mom of a black boy in a mostly white community. Yeah. Well, and, they, they they thought he was going to drop 50. That's why they were like, yeah, come. 
come, <laughs> come play. Oh, it's a black kid around here. Oh yeah, come play. And then he got the ball and he started dribbling it like a like a scrub because they, <laughs> they play soccer over in Uganda. Yeah. So yeah. they got a video. I'm, I'm gonna post the video if I don't forget. It's they got the little boy. They get a little black boy a ball and uh-huh. he like shot. He missed and then. He's like, oh, shoot again. He shot again. He made it like, oh, yeah. Give him high fives. All the kids are white. All the kids yeah. around there were white. It was just him. I think I think she had two kids. I think they both black because I think here's a girl right here. I mm-hmm. So, and they gave him high fives and everything. But that shows that racism is it's it's taught, not. Man. It's, yeah, it's taught. It's, it's taught, not, man. You're not born You're not born racist, man. Um, I've, I've, we've also talked, touched on this subject before. I want to give a big time shout out to Tristy. That's a unique name. Um, I hope that she recognizes the responsibility that she has mm-hmm. to make sure that that kid knows who he is and knows, you know, uh, the history of people that look like him in this country, mm-hmm. because you don't want that kid to be going around living a sheltered life. And then he's faced with what the country as a whole thinks of people that look like him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think every kid needs a home. Obviously I think it's great that she adopted this kid. I just, I don't, I don't want her to, because she's colorblind to think that the world is colorblind. Right. That's always a, a, um, a, a worry that I have with these people who adopt kids outside of their race. I think it's beautiful. And I think that love shouldn't have no color and you should spread love to these kids that need it. Cause there's plenty of kids in need in, in the world. But when you do that, I think you have a responsibility to, uh, get these kids around people who, can understand where they're coming from mm. or where they're going to be coming from. And you can make that choice to do it or not to do it, but you can create a person who is now 18 years old, doesn't know who they are, really has no self identity, feels weird about being, I feel white, but I'm black. You know, like you can create a very confused person if you don't take the right steps to at least acknowledge that they're, you can't just live a life being like, Oh, we never like, really told him what being black in America is. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, shout out to Tristy, shout out to Asher and yep. Mercy mm-hmm. and, and everybody in the community in Oklahoma. I hope you guys Aluga. all love each other. Aluga, Oklahoma. Yeah, Aluga, Oklahoma. I hope you guys all love each other and treat each other great. But make sure you understand the responsibility that you have because it is, in fact, that. Whether you adopt, if you're white and adopt a black kid, if you're black and adopt a white kid, if you're Mexican and adopt an Asian kid, we all have a responsibility to say, well, yeah, man, like we love you and we're your family. But if you ever want to know where you come from, we're here to let you know that. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be confused about why we look like this and you look like that and, and why people make assumptions. You you have a responsibility to to inform your, your kid. Mm-hmm. So but shout out to Tristy. I think that's a dope story. And uh, I hope that uh, Asher works on his jump shot because if he does, <laughs> he will in fact rule the Oklahoma basketball scene by the time he's 15 years old. I hope to see you on a hoop. A hoop mixtape soon, young Asher. He's he's got African blood in him, which means he could skyrocket to seven feet tall in in a moment's notice. <laughs> uh, so uh, shout out to Asher, shout out to Tristy, shout out to Beluga, Oklahoma, and um, yeah, man, those are some dope good vibes. Uh, what do you want to send people off with? Uh, it is the Memorial Day weekend. What's your favorite cookout song? Um, cookout song. Uh, summertime by Will Smith. Summertime by Will Smith. Okay, yeah. folks. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break. We're going to leave you with a bit of summer, summer, summer time by Will Smith. And when we come back, we're going to tell you some fucked up shit. So stay tuned.
here it is, a groove slightly transformed, just a bit of a break from the norm, just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore gameplay. All right, folks, we're back. Fran, uh, it's your turn to go first this week. Yes, sir. So, uh, please. All right. Excited about this one. Okay, you, you you mentioned that off air. Yeah, that you I'm were excited. gonna put the turn the game upside down. What'd you say about? I said um, I don't know what I said. I think I'm gonna switch. I said I'm gonna switch it up. I'm gonna switch it up on affirmative murder. That's what yeah, I said. Yeah, you switch it up. I'm gonna switch it up. Let's hear your switch up. Are you ready for this? Yeah, sure. All right. I think set. I am. I don't know. <laughs> I'm nervous. Okay. It gets pretty graphic a little bit. All right. I'm gonna just say that. Thanks for the the warning. This is this this is a different one. All right. So yeah. my affirmative murder this week is Charlie Chopoff. Have you heard of? Is this a ghost story? This, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Chopoff. Yeah. No, I've never okay. heard of that. That's All his right. last name. No. Okay. Just okay. His name All is right. Charlie Chopoff. Please. Okay. So Charlie Chopoff was an American serial killer, active in Manhattan between 1972 and 1974. Okay. Killing five black and Puerto Rican children mm. and leaving another for dead. Oh, jeez. His nickname comes from, well, I'll leave that for your imagination for now. Uh, okay. I would assume he chops off things or something. Maybe. Okay. okay. All right. Well, so, cool. <laughs> so his first victim was Douglas Owens. Okay. Age eight. Oh. He was the first victim. Discovered in March of 1972 after he went missing while running, while running errands on a rainy day. Eight? Yeah, that's what I said. What do you mean? But seventies. God, they were get newspapers and stuff. Seventies. <laughs> people make jokes about like how soft kids are today, but like, good. Like your kid. Why was your kid running errands in the seventies? Somebody told me they running errands and they ate. I'm like, what? What are you? What, what you were you mean? doing? Well, you know, I had to go pay some bills. Had to stop by the bank. Had to go to the butcher shop. I had, had to go get, get some, some milk. Had to go get some. <laughs> had to get the newspaper from grandma's. Got a little mustache. <laughs> yeah. So he was running errands on a rainy day. He was stabbed 38 times. Oh, come on. And his genitals were cut almost all the way off. I had a feeling. But never removed. I had a feeling that's why you were calling him Charlie yep. Chop Off. His shoes were off when he was found. There were there was evidence of potential sexual a sexual assault. He was discovered just two blocks from his home. His body left on a rooftop. After his murder, an anonymous call was made to the police naming a local man, Erno Soto, as his killer. Mm. Although although Police interviewed Soto's local relatives. They said that they said they had not seen him in several months. Unfortunately, nothing came of this tip. Wow, something man. When whenever we do stories that involve kids, it's just something. It's something dark about it, man. Yeah. It just has a little like a, a extra dark energy around it that you can do that to a kid. That you can do it to anybody is horrible, mm. but that you can do it to a kid. But is a kid, just, yeah, it's just a next level of just you're you're not a, like a. Of human being with a soul, right? Um, his next victim was an unnamed victim. Was assault in April and left for dead in the hallway of an apartment building. He was identified as a ten-year-old black boy, but not named in the press. Like Douglas Owens, he was attacked on a rainy day while running errands. Like Owens, his shoes were removed. He was sexually assaulted, stabbed, gutted, and his genitals was removed. The predator took the genitals with him when fleeing the scene. Whoa. Right. Come on, man. Yeah. Um, he survived. Why are all these kids running errands? <laughs> They're young. Up? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I yeah. mean, I, my, my grandmother, when I was a kid, she would go like, go get me a bag of chips from the store. Is that an errand? 
Yeah. Oh, gosh, mm-hmm. you left me out there for dead, man. Damn it. Come on, Grant. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I forgot my line. Um, fucking left me out there to die. Yeah, he survived. He survived, but was unable to provide the police with much information about his assailant. Assailant? Assailant. There you go. Yeah. Due to the trauma he experienced, the police were able to develop a very vague profile of the suspect. Spanish or Italian, with a mole on his cheek, thin, neither light skin or dark skin, possibly with a limp. He called himself Michael. He lured the boy to him with the promise of 50 cents. Wow. Is that a lot of money in the 70s? <laughs> Jesus, wow. man. I guess if you're poor. Well, you know, 50 cents, I guess it used to go a long way back then. I think so, yeah. Um, like penny candy. You can get 50 penny candies. I guess that was a lot in those days. Uh, yeah, so he lured him in and um, promised him he had 50 cents. So this victim's genitals were later recovered in the park by the police who found a group of children playing with them. Come on, man. Right. You read that on the thing? Yes. Come on. Why would kids be... What? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but I mean, like... No, that's crazy, man. Right. That's, that's, like, that's, like, insane. That's, like, that's like crazy. Like, what, are you, what, what are you playing with? Marbles? Yeah, what? like, is that a dead rat? <laughs> Why are y'all playing with a dead... Oh, my God! You know, you know oh, that's, that's, that's like something from a movie, man. Right, yeah. That's crazy. That's some Hannibal Lecter shit. So he cut it off from the kid and then just had it, took it, it took it and left it somewhere separate. I guess. If he did it on like threw it at a playground on purpose, that's sadistic. that's disgusting. Yeah, because like now you know kids are other kids are gonna come. I didn't even that. think about that. That's gross, man. Yeah, that's that's wow. Um, so his next victim was Wendell Hubbard, age nine. He vanished while playing in the yard near his home in East Harlem in October 1972. At least he wasn't running errands. Yeah, his mother called him to come inside, and when he didn't make it into the apartment, she promptly reported him missing. He was discovered on the rooftop of his own apartment building. A few hours later, which was six blocks, wait, which was just six blocks away from where Douglas Owens' body was found. So yeah, he's in the he's in the killing zone. Yeah, he had been stabbed seventeen times in the abdomen, mm. neck, and chest. His body was mutilated and his genitals were removed and apparently carried carried away by the attacker. What is up with this there dude, were, man? There was evidence that he had been sexually assaulted. This dude taking these are eight. Nine, ten-year-old kids. First of all, like the surface area of a nine-year-old child to stab them 17 times, you're not working with a big body. So that means he's just going berserk on these. Like, I don't, he's just, I mean, that's just insane, man. He's cutting these kids' genitals off and taking them with him. I mean, this is like a horror movie, man. Yeah, and these are, these are all, these are just black, black kids. kids. Black yeah, kids. Yeah, black yeah. Puerto Rican kids. That's crazy, man. Yep. So his next victim was Luis Ortiz, age nine. He went missing in March 1973 after purchasing milk and bread at a local store. So running, running errands. errands. Yeah. Discovered in the basement of an apartment building, he was the first victim who was not black. He was he was a dark a dark skinned Puerto Rican boy. He was Afro Latina, man. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> I'm not gonna get into that argument, but Puerto Ricans, y'all got African blood on and you. Dominicans, you got African blood in you. Stop acting bougie because your hair is curly. <laughs> Continue. He was also stabbed 38 times in the back, neck, and chest. And once again, his genitals were removed and taken by the predator. Multiple witnesses reported seeing the body, seeing the boy's abductor, resulting in a development of a, in a development of a sketch. Over 300 tips were called into the police. Lewis Ortiz's family returned to Puerto Rico shortly after his murder. Damn. So they was like, "We getting the fuck up out. We out of here." 
That's Unless true. they was just visiting. I don't know, but. Well, I don't know. I mean, Puerto Rico is America, so they might just went back to Puerto Rico, you know, but it's not hard to do that. But they might have just been so fed up with New York that that's their other place that they know. So they went mm-hmm. back to the other place that they know. Yeah. But no, I, I didn't say that to you. I said that because oh. people have been like uh, saying, why are we, you know, like, oh, is it, why is it a priority to help Puerto Ricans? And, mm-hmm. and Puerto Ricans have been immigrating into New York. And da-da-da. it's like, no, Puerto Rican is, an, is a, it's a territory of America. Mm-hmm. They're American citizens. So don't call them like immigrants. Right. They are Americans. Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, his next victim was Stephen Stephen Cropper, age eight. He was discovered on the sixth floor of a tenant, a ten, tenement. Tenement. It's like a uh, like a building with a bunch of units in it. Oh, a tenement apartment building. Yeah, basically. Like uh, yeah, but like for poor people. Oh okay. Uh, the sixth floor of a tenement house in August 1973. He was murdered. Like the house, Hey Arnold's house. Oh okay. All right. He was he was what? His murder was different from the other victims. He was slashed with a razor blade rather than mm. stabbed with a knife. This is a kid. Yeah, this, he's eight. The cause of death. The cause of death was a severed artery in his arm. Severed. There was no. Oh, sorry. Severed artery in his arm. Mm. There was no mutilation of the genitals in in his case. However, his body was posed in a sexually suggestive manner that was. Excuse me. Um, and what's this word? And dick and. Indicative, indicative, yeah, indicative. indicative of assault. His shoes were removed. Oh my, what is he? Is he taking people? Is he taking their shoes? And yeah, is everybody's shoes? He's taking their shoes off. Yeah, I've heard that like every yeah, time. Yeah, every yeah. His shoes were removed and placed by his body, so he left him there. Oh. Nonetheless, the police concluded that he must be the victim of the same killer, reasoning that it would be too coincidental for two killers with the similar victim profiles and MOs to be operating in the same area. Yeah. So now they're saying, unless it's a team. Yeah. Um, it could possibly be somebody different, but then not really. The odds aren't high. Yeah, right. So that was his last victim. Oh. So after the murder of Louis Ortiz, the local community was in uproar. Public meetings were held. The uh the sketch was distributed all over, and a local class, and a local class even made a video warning other children to stay away from strangers. And this is after what body number seven? Uh, <sighs> one, two, three, four, five. I mean, four. I mean, yeah, four. Five, I'm sorry. Five. I guess that's kind of... Cl- I guess. I don't yeah. know. Um, At least they did something. A task force was developed to track down the suspect, which distributed flyers, knocked on doors, and poured through and poured through police records. Yeah. They interviewed over 150 suspects. They even consulted with Interpol mm-hmm. on the possibility of an international child molester. Mm. Local children began referring to the murder as Charlie Chopoff, mm. and the name stuck. Mm. Having Stephen Cropper's murder, the search intensified even further. A suspect was apprehended in the name and named in the press El Gonzalez. He was reported to have been seen loitering in the area when some of the abductors occurred. Witnesses were called to the police station but did not confirm his identity. He was about to be left he was about to be let free, but a mob of protesters formed around the station. Having been made aware of his identity, the public was convinced was convinced that his man, that this man, was indeed the predator. Mm. Police established barricades around the, the precinct, but pre- predators climbed over the barriers and sculled roofs and police cars. The police decided they would have they would have to sneak El Gonzalez out of the station, disguised as a policeman. 
they dre- they dressed him up as a cop. Wait, they dressed up a cop in a civilian clothing and had him walk outside, escorted by other officers, while covering his face. The crowd apparently wasn't fooled by this by this tactic and continued and continued to be demanded to see the killer. Mm. So they tried to fucking. Did not work. Yeah, that doesn't make the cops look good. Either. <laughs> like, why are y'all trying to make let this killer go? Why they put this dude in some baggy ass clothes and and thought he was <laughs> thought he was like, a cop? Hello, good good day. I am an <laughs> I am an, a police officer. Hello and good day to you. Right. This sounds a lot like um not exactly the dressing up police officer, but it's this movie called Prisoners. Mm. Um, it's got Hugh Jackman in it, and it's about this these this kid goes missing in this neighborhood, and they all think it's this guy that did it. And they end up kidnapping the guy and torturing him to, mm-hmm. so he could tell him where the kid is. And it turns out he didn't do it. Dang. I don't, that didn't. I don't think that's a spoiler mm-hmm. for people who haven't seen the movie because it gets more complicated. And that Jake Gyllenhaal's in it too, but it is very much like everybody. This is the guy they arrested, mm-hmm. so everybody was like, "It was him." But it, but th- that whole mob had got formed, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't him. It didn't matter. They all believed it was him. They let him go though. And then the story continues. Prisoners. You should go check that out. Okay. Um, yeah, so traffic was blocked off by the mob, and news and news cameras began to gather. Despite all the attention, Gonzalez managed to make it out of the air, of the area unnoticed in a poorly fitted police uniform, escorted in a squad car. The mob eventually sub- subsided, but the community remained on high alert. Mm-hmm. A man who resembled the suspect was chased out of the neighborhood and into the river. What? Yeah, that's what's it. he just jumped in the river to get away from the mob. <laughs> yeah, Damn. I get it. Yeah. Uh, Good. I mean, I, this is what I like to hear. Every, we've done so many of these stories where you know you're at body number ten, and the community hasn't rallied to be like, not in our community. Like, mm. this isn't happening. No more of this. You know. So I mean, I I think the energy might be misplaced a bit, but at least they're trying to prevent their kids from getting killed anymore. Yeah. yeah. So f- a few weeks after. Stephen Cropper's murder, a man named Daniel Olivo was charged with molesting a five-year-old boy after luring him into a secluded area in the nearby park. Come on, man. The boy, es- the boy escaped and ran to his father, and Olivo was discovered hiding in some bushes and arrested. And they butchered him. <laughs> he, fit the su- he fit the suspect profile and had a medium skin tone and walked with a limp. Mm. How the hell did he do that? That's crazy. How did he do what? How did they- but they say- you remember they said that they- the description of a victim yeah, yeah, yeah. earlier, but... He did have a limp. I mean, they just was like, oh, he might have a limp. Right. And they just, it was right. Um, yeah, he had a medium, skin, a medium skin tone and walked with a limp. However, the police found that his movements did not match up with the murders, and he was dismissed as a suspect. But he still molested the kid. Yeah. All right, hopefully they still charged him. <laughs> hopefully they weren't like, well, you're not the guy we're looking for, <laughs> so get out of here. I said get out of here. <laughs> you know, just let him go. Yeah, so in May 1974, Ernold Soto was the name I said earlier, uh-huh. a a patient at Manhattan State Hospital was yeah. apprehended during the attempt abduction of a young Puerto Rican boy. Is the, this a mental hospital or is this like a regular, like he was hurt? You said a patient, right? Yeah, this oh. is a mental hospital. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, abduction of a Puerto Rican boy. The boy escaped and was, was seen running down the street yelling. Soto was detained. He was running down the, he was running down the street, street yelling. yelling. Mm-hmm. Soto was detained by neighbors until the police arrived. Mm-hmm. So Soto was a frequent, a frequent fleer in a Manhattan's mental institution. He had been, in, oh shit, intermittently institutionalized starting in 1969. Oh, that's a big ass word. <laughs> Reportedly, Soto and his wife, um, who were both Puerto Rican, him and his wife, had become estranged but reunited. 
sometime after their reunion, Soto's wife gave birth to a black baby boy. Oh. Soto and his wife are appeared. They, are they both, they're both light-skinned? I don't know. Oh. Well, I guess they Puerto Rican, they can't be light-skinned. Uh, I thought you, the way you dropped it was like, he, his son didn't look like him. I'm, I assume that they both, yeah, I assume that, that's what I thought. They oh, both okay, yeah, that's, that's why. I, that's black. Yeah, yeah. yep. Um, so Soto and his wife appeared to reconcile despite this, but at this, but as the boy approached his eighth birthday, Soto's mental state began to deteriorate. He mm. was hospitalized multiple times for uncontrollable violence and had been arrested on several occasions for burglary and narcotics possession. He had also been treated for heroin addiction. Soto's physical description matched the description given by witnesses. In addition, the main exit from the hosp- from the hospital was near to where some of the boy's bodies was found. Mm. And he had relatives living in the areas near some of the others. Mm. So after his arrest, a witness was found by the police who claimed that he had seen Soto with Stephen Cropper on the days of his death. The surviving boy from the Manhattan, wait, from the attempted 1972 murder was shown in a lineup including Soto, but was not able to identify this him. This is the boy that you were saying he was left to die, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so he did a lineup, but the dude, but the little boy couldn't identify him in the lineup. He did say Soto looked similar to his attacker, but nothing conclusive. Mm. Soto confessed to the police that he stalked young boys in the area, young oh. black boys in the area, and confessed to killing Stephen Cropper. Oh, all right. But not any of the other boys. Here, he confessed of killing Stephen Cropper, but not any of the other boys. Mm. He reportedly did tell that God told him, quote, to make these little boys into girls, quote. Oh. Yeah. Um, That's gross. Yeah. He was reportedly institutionalized on the on the dates of one of the murders, but this is easily explained by the fact that security at the institution was lax, and Soto had a weekend a weekend pass to leave. I I guess yeah. Um, All right, <laughs> it's not Six Flags weekend pass. Yeah, so the police was certain that they had their man. Soto was charged with the murder of Stephen Cropper. However, at the trial, he was considered unfit for trial and diagnosed with schizophrenia and found not guilty by reason of insanity. So he just sent him back to the hospital he was at. Yep. He was reman- he was remain remanded to the high security mental institution after his institution oh, institutionalization mm-hmm. the murder stopped. Then there you go. So who did these heinous acts to these poor innocent young boys? Him. If Soto wasn't the killer, who was? Olivo Gonzalez, one of one of the other 150 suspects who who were interviewed but never charged, possibly I don't know. In the end, nobody was found guilty of any of the Charlie Chopoff murders, and the police considered the case closed. Well, it was Soto, and that was the story of Charlie Chopoff, which is a cold case that I like. Wow, is that why you flipped it on his head? Or yeah, because it was a cold case. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Well, it was Soto. Uh, so I solved it. So it's not it's not a cold case anymore. I solved it. Wow. Um, Charlie Chopoff. Wow. Um, the fact that that's a cold case is pretty crazy to me because of the fact that the guy said the God told me to turn these turn. He said turn this boy into a girl. Turn these boys into girls. So then he confessed to multiple boys, but he just didn't confess to those specific ones. I mean, that's crazy. He mm-hmm. he laid out everything. It's so clearly him. Yep. That's nuts, man. It was him. Soto. He did that. Wow, that's 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 crazy. That was a great story. Um, it was told well. Yeah, it was. Thank you, man. Um, I did a lot of homework on that. Yeah, it was a good job. Um, 
Well, don't do too much hard work. That's not on brand. Well, I wanted to do it on this one. It was a cold case. So I was like, you know, I'm a. Okay. I'm a I li- I, you know, I, li- I like the word. I like the. Um, I'm going to read a, a review we just got after when we come back from the break because it was funny. I think it perfectly describes who we are. Um, but uh, yeah, was, you, did a, you did a very well job on that, friend. And I think, you know, I, you know, I'm going to admit to you now, you know, I'm, I see why they call you Fran Star. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I, I get it. You saw I did. I was like, was it Soto? Who was? Was it Olivo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was very. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you, know. you, you took me on a journey, man. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate it. And I respect it. Well played. Um, well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to try to follow up that performance and um, tell you some fucked up shit. So stay tuned. All right, folks, we are back. As I said, I wanted to um, give a shout out to a review we got on um, on the on iTunes, which I think um, pretty much kind of summarizes what we do here. And you get and this lady gets it. I'm assuming she's a lady. I don't want to be presumptuous, but her name is Roxy. So this is a review from Roxy underscore Marie 060184, which I would assume is her birthday. So um, happy uh, birthday coming up to you, Roxy underscore Marie. She said, "These guys bringing some swag to true crime." Mm-hmm. I added that. <laughs> Only thing I would say needs a little bit of improvement on facts slash research. They do give warning that it's a fact-free zone. Other than that, funny jokes still and brings something new to the genre of true crime. Um, shout out to you, Roxy Marie. I think you're hit the nail on the head. We are a fact-free zone. Even though we are trying to get better every week at getting up to that line of a perfect story, Without going too far into, we don't need to tell you uh, the name of their great great grandfather and all that kind of stuff. You won't get any of that here. But we are trying to tighten up our storytelling ability as we go along. As I've said before, I believe with all of my heart that me and Fran are two five star recruits, raw prospects. You know, t- top two draft picks, if you will. Um, but we need a little polishing, you know, and that's, that's why we're in these stages now of trying to get to that level. And that's why, um, we are unapologetically every week going to bring you our best possible content. And if it's not up to standards from you, I mean, to you, we would appreciate you guys letting us know, but just stick it out with us because you don't want to be the person that hopped off the bandwagon on episode 40. And then when you get to 100 and we win a Nobel peace prize, you want to hop back on. (laughs) <laughs> so just stay on the ride, man. It's going to be a bumpy ride, but, you know, stick with us. Because, I, you know, I'm telling you, man. MJ, Scotty. Excuse me. No, it's no? all the way around. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. MJ, Magic. No, I'm MJ. <laughs> all right. You can be anybody who you want to be. Larry Bird, I'm MJ. Why I got to be Larry Bird? <laughs> well, Larry Bird's okay. an awesome player. So. All right, okay. MJ, Pay- Walter Payton. We do two different. We do you okay, do a thing. Cool. You do a thing. I do a thing. All right. But we make it magic. Yep. We two. We bring two different things to the table. Okay. MJ, Walter Payton, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa. No. <laughs> he bleaches his skin. I'm. I will not be. I'm not Sammy Sosa. How dare you? Um. Anyway, it is my turn to tell you my affirmative murder. So please buckle in as I tell you the story of Mr. Marcus Delon Wesson. <clears throat> Fresno means ash tree, and reminiscent of many cities in California, began under Mexican rule. As the city emerged into a rich blend of metropolitan life mixed with small-town living, this culturally diverse city has grown to a population surpassing 400,000 people, with 90 different nationalities. Fresno reported 42 homicides, 3,780 total violent crimes in 2002. Wait, what? 
That's it? Yeah, 42 homicides and 3,780 total violent crimes. That is, so that includes, you know, break-ins, uh, oh. domestic violence, all that type of shit. All So 42 homicides in a city of 400,000 people. So that's, oh, okay. That's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the per capita of that, but that, that sounds not too tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was in 2002. There were 36 murders in Fresno last year, down 14% from the year before. Damn. In the first two, in the first two and a half months of 2004, the city had seen only three murders, the fewest in more than three decades, a California paper reported. What? Those statistics drastically changed on March 12, 2004. <clears throat> so just keep that in mind. March 12, 2004. In 1968, Marcus Wesson left the army which had sent him to Europe as a medical orderly and moved and he moved to San Jose, California. Then in his mid twenties, he moved in with a Hispanic woman named Rosemary Maytorena, who was in her thirties. The two had one son in 1974. Mr. Wesson married Miss Maytorena's married Miss Maytorena's <laughs> daughter, Elizabeth, who was 15 at the time over the next 16 years. He had 10 children with her. His wife, Elizabeth, had a sister named Rosemary Solorio, who also appears to have been under Mr. Wesson's spell. In 1986, she sent her seven children to live with the Wessons. The children had been molested in their own home and were reportedly happy to make the change. The result was a household of considerable size. So he had 10 kids, and then they had seven kids come and live with him. And his wife was a the the daughter of a woman he had started dating when he moved to San Jose. And he was like, you know what? I drove, the, you know, I've had the, uh, the old buck. Now I want the young gazelle. So he dated his 16, his wife's daughter. Wait, is that no, he was dating a lady. He was oh, dating. dating a lady. He was okay. dating a lady named Rosemary. Okay. She was in her thirties. Mm-hmm. They had, two, they had one son together. Okay. And then after having one son with this woman, he goes, you know, um, I like the younger model of you better. So he started dating her daughter named Elizabeth. Her daughter. He, her daughter. Oh, who so was, fi- who was okay. 15. Wow. So he was in his 20s. He, he dumped her. For, his, for her daughter. For her daughter, who was 15. And then they had 10 kids. Wow. Over the span of, you know, however long, 10 years or whatever. And then his, his wife's sister mm-hmm. was like, shit's too crazy here. These kids, they're not safe here. Can they come live with you? So he said, yeah. Now they're up to 17 kids living in this house and him and his wife. Wait, wait. Now I'm confused. His wife's, so the mother. His wife's sister. The mo- his wife. The mother of his 10 kids has a sister. But that's not the 15-year-old. That is the 15-year-old. She's so not 15 she- now because she's lived a weathered life, had 10 kids, raising 10 kids together with this man. Oh, so they, they, they separated? Now what? I'm confused. Now um, you lost me. Yeah. You said, what? You said they had... Ten kids. They had. They got married and had ten kids. Okay, where the other, where the other seven kids come from? I just told you she has a sister. Her household wasn't safe, so she asked them to take her seven kids. Oh, see, I'm thinking you was talking about. All right, you got it. Yeah, I got it. You sure? Yeah, because it, it it matters. That matters. I got it. All right. I okay. thought you were saying the old the older lady he was dating. She doesn't first. matter. All right. She okay. does not That's matter at all. All right. Yeah, all she right, doesn't matter it. at all. Um. Mr. Wesson could not keep a steady job and got most of his most of his income from welfare. The family drifted from place to place and some of its living arrangements were inventive. At one time, the family lived in a 26 foot boat anchored in Santa Cruz (laughs) Harbor. So that's very that's a very uh, 
that's a very quirky life to be living. Seventeen people living on a houseboat, but those are the kind of inventive things Mr. Marcus Wesson was uh was capable of. Um, Mr. Wesson sometimes scavenged hamburgers out of a McDonald's dumpster for his family to eat. Ugh. Yeah, that's, that's one. It's McDonald's. <laughs> Two, it's McDonald's from a dumpster. So that is that is next level gross. Uh, those are the those are the burgers that people that eat McDonald's are like. I don't want this. This <laughs> people. <laughs> People who go to McDonald's and eat McDonald's are like, mm, this isn't up to my standards. This is this is not good food. So that's that's the kind of food they were. They probably have. Eat. They probably have fresh burgers in there though. In the ch- dumpster, one bite burgers. They probably just bit like two yeah, bites in there. Like it was a one bite burger, but it had like a, a goat knuckle in the middle of the burger. Like ugh. some reason for somebody to be like, I don't ill. Or it was like a crunchy McChicken. Like Ew. oh god, ugh. Throw this away. So it's only got one bite in it, but it's like defective McDonald's. They was in there making the, uh, what's that? What's that That sandwich people used to eat when we were younger? Oh, man. What is that called? <laughs> it's called a McGangbang. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they would get a Mc, they would eat Mc, dumpster Mc, McGangbangs. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's not enough nutrients in this half of McDouble, and there's not enough nutrients in this half of McChicken. You smash them together, now you got a half of McGangbang. That's disgusting, You can go to man. sleep with a full stomach. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they were, uh, they were eating dumpster burgers, and... Uh, so uh, the boat got him in trouble, however. He failed to list it as an asset on his welfare forms, and he was sent to jail for welfare fraud in 1990. So apparently wow. this boat put him right over the, the <laughs> line of uh, ap- uh, you know, able to get welfare. Wow. So you know, uh, he got sent to jail for welfare fraud. And uh, in the mid to late 1990s, the family lived in a trailer and a large army tent in Santa Cruz, Mount- in the Santa Cruz Mountains. So these people wow. were... And I'm going to put up a picture of this dude on Twitter. He looks like, uh, I hate to paint people out to be, you know, black people out in a bad way, but he looks like the good monkey from Planet of the Apes. He's a big, giant black dude. He weighed a lot. And he had one, he had like a Miami-Dade County dreadlocks where he had like two dreadlocks, like big, fat, greasy Mm -hmm. dreadlocks. Um, He looks, he looks wild. Uh, So I'll put a picture up of him on Twitter. Um, So they were living in an army tent in the mountains. Uh, 19 people. Keep that in mind. So there's 19 of them. Um uh they lived they lived on land with no running water. Uh the Wessons also lived for a time in a decaying sixty three foot tugboat. I don't know where he's just finding <laughs> I don't know where he's just finding boats to live in. I you know it's like he lives in the apocalypse or something like that. It's just like we'll just live in here in a old old rusty boat. Um so yeah, they lived in a tugboat offshore of Marin County, California. Sometimes they lived in a school bus. By wow. the late, I mean, this dude, this, he, this like, could make a movie about this guy. Is man. he stealing them, or I would assume they're all rusty, broken down things. They, they just, just like we'll just live here in the woods, grass growing, hot. Oh god, just hot in a big, big metal thing with no air conditioning. Oh, I know. Trust oh, me. Oh god, what? What? I said I know how that feels. Trust me. What do you mean? When I'm at work. Oh, I thought you were like you saying you lived in a tugboat. No. Um. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes they lived in the school bus. Uh. By the late 1990s, the children of Marcus and Elizabeth Wesson were old enough to work, and Mr. Wesson used their money as his own. Wow. None of the children ever went to school, so just a house full of just ignorant fools, man. What just, he bought? He bought a new boat? A, a yacht? I mean, they, I'm sure they, they didn't. They weren't working at a fucking... <laughs> they weren't working at <laughs> Google. 17, they weren't working at Google. Yeah, but they were all probably working at, like, you know, uh, McDonald's or, you know, Save-A-Lot. 
So minimum wage, all collectively, all they still ain't making sixty five thousand dollars a year. They That's still true. broke to Harvard people. That's true. Uh, so yeah, none of the children never went to school. Mister w- Mister Wesson taught them at home using flashcards, school textbooks, and his own weird brand of Christianity. He became fascinated with David Koresh during the siege of at Waco. Uh, which uh, anybody who doesn't know, I don't know why you wouldn't know. David Koresh was this guy in Texas who um, believed that he was Jesus, and he uh had built a compound with everybody there. They they all, but he believed that they should have guns and all this kind of stuff. And he had this compound. And they all followed him. It was a cult. But then one day the police came because they felt like the children weren't safe, and they ended up having a shootout. And a bunch of people died. Damn. In Waco. Yeah. So that's a pretty pop. But he he saw that and was like, that guy gets it. I'm gonna <laughs> teach my my group of kids. I'm gonna teach them to. I want them to. I want to be like that. Uh. So. Uh, Wait. So he gonna be he gonna create a cult? That's where this is going. Yeah. Well, oh, hey, man. Go. Hey, buckle up. Here uh, we go. <laughs> uh, he described himself as Jesus Christ. And what? Poli- Excuse me. Yeah. This is a black guy. Big, big black guy. <laughs> he looked more like Santa Claus than Jesus Christ, but he described himself to Jesus Christ. He described himself as Jesus Christ and Jesus police. Claus. Jesus him. Claus. Yeah. He described himself as Jesus Claus and police officers as Satan. When the family watched television coverage of the Branch Davidian, which is that's the David, that's the um, the uh, documentary. No, that's the oh. David Koresh. That's what he called David that's Koresh. What that's what he called his cult, the branch, called? the branch Davidian. Hmm. Uh, when he saw this uh, branch Davidian siege, Mister Wesson, Mister Wesson told the children, "This is how the world is attacking God's people. This man is like me. He is making children for the Lord. That's what we should be doing, making children for the Lord." You maybe can you know, <laughs> maybe see where we're going next. Mr. Wesson taught his family to be prepared to die if anyone ever tried to break up his household. Wow. He told his niece, Rosa Solorio, and his daughter, Sabrina Wesson, they were strong soldiers who would hunt down and kill family members who betrayed him and who might have to kill the family and themselves to prevent a breakup. Mr. Wesson, Mr. Wesson bought 10 coffins from an antique dealer, so he was prepared to really, if shit popped off, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> And I got the coffins in the basement to prove mm-hmm. it. And I ripped up the receipt. So they ain't going back. Uh, Mr. Wesson was also fascinated by vampires and gave himself and his daughters and nieces vampire names. His name was <laughs> Javam, Javam Marcus Spire. <laughs> A mixture of Jesus, Marcus, and vampire. <laughs> so so I'm going to say that one more time now <laughs> that you know that that's what it is. His name was java marcus spire <laughs> he made that up well he didn't make it up he combined he, jesus, com- he combined he, jesus marcus and vampire he made give, him it up. More, give him a little more credit mm-hmm. fran okay he made it up he combined words that bullshit all right whatever <laughs> creative i guess jesus marcus vampire i could come up with a better name than that with those three words by the way that's like super dumb how about like from Harvard, how about jamarkire or like vamjesus I think those are both better than Javam, Javam Markaspire. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Mr. Wesson began sleeping with his daughters and nieces after he got out of jail in 1990. According to trial testimony of Ruby Ortiz, one of the nieces sent to live with Miss, with the Wessons, Mr. Wesson began molesting her when she was eight. Wow. Mrs. Ortiz testifies that she, that she, Mr. Or, Mrs. Ortiz testified that she loved Mr. Wesson at the time. And at age 13, enthusiastically agreed to marry him. The marriage ceremony consisted of the couple putting their hands on the Bible and reciting marriage vows. Mr. Wesson 
married three of his nieces and two of his daughters. This Duh. way, yeah. <laughs> he he married he so he married he married three of his nieces and two of his daughters this way and had children by all of them. Wow. Mrs. Wesson fully approved of these. Get a little messy, don't it? Oh yeah, these kids. I mean, I I don't I haven't seen videos of these kids, but I mean, if your your dad's your uncle, you're probably pretty fucked up. Or if like your dad is also your granddad, your gene pool, you're fucked up for right. sure. Like, this isn't smart at all. Isn't you know? <laughs> you're not gonna create like a the most elite of cult or whatever right. you're trying to make. You shouldn't fuck your kids anyway. Right. But if you're trying to do it to like make a big group of elite people, that ain't the way to do it. Like you're diluting, you're mixing the same genes. You're, right. you're going to create really fucked up people. Uh, and then they live in, they actually live in the mountains too. So like you're, you're like literally creating mountain people, like <laughs> inbred mountain right. people, inbred black mountain people too, which is, that might be a cool That's movie. Yeah, like the Hills have eyes, but like hood, that'd be crazy. Mm. <laughs> that, guy, that, gave, that gave me the creeps like 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 the hills have eyes but it's like they're cooking gumbo and singing ne- negro spirituals but then they got big lumpy heads and you know foaming at the mouth oh god i wouldn't even watch that, that sounds scary mm, right man we need a job we, we need to be working for a cereal company and we need to be pitching movies to hollywood because <laughs> we got some, we got some gems man um yeah so uh mrs wesson fully approved of these incestuous unions which was she's his wife who he married at 15, so she doesn't know any better. This is all she knows. Uh, in fact, when Ruby Solorio ran away from home as a teenager, Mrs. Wesson persuaded her to come back home to take care of her son by Mr. Wesson. Mrs. Ortiz testified that Mr. Wesson could be cruel and jealous. So his wife was involved in being, you know, when, when this girl ran away from home, she said, how can you just leave your son like this? You got to come home. And she like guilted her into coming back to, to live with them. Wow. You know, so uh, obviously what he's doing is gross, but I find complacency almost as gross as, you know, as the person that's doing the action. Like if you're the wife, that's like, yeah, do that. I'll hold her down. Like I, I read a story about a wife who would like, she would hold the women down as her husband would rape women. And you're fucked. You're fucked up too. Oh yeah. You're just as fucked up. Right. You know, and I don't want to hear anything about you being brainwashed or traumatized. No. It's like I get that, I but that. but still though, you know, you shouldn't do because you know, you know. I but I, again, I haven't been in a state of like mental abuse to the point where I'm just terrified of this person and will do anything they say. They really do a good job of showing that on a show you haven't watched it before. But on Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. there's this character named Theon Greyjoy, and he gets mentally abused and broken to the point where this guy played all these crazy mental games with him, and now he just does whatever. He's so scared of this guy that he does whatever he says to do. But it's still like... what's crazy. When you, even though it's a show, when you see him do some fucked up shit or like betray somebody, you're still mad at him. You're not like, oh, well, you know, he can't help it. He's mentally broken. It's like, no, man, fuck you. That's fucked up. What are you doing? Don't <laughs> right. do that. So, yeah, that's basically Elizabeth. Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth uh, Wesson is Theon Greyjoy, a.k.a. Reek. That's what that's what he changed his name to after he broke his spirit. He was like, "I broke your spirit so hard, I'm giving you a new name." He changed his name for him. Yeah, oh, and he started calling savage. himself that. He's like, "What's your that's name?" He's savage. like, "Reek," crying and shit. Yeah, he broke his fucking spirit, man. Broke some <clears throat> balls. Well, he cut his balls off. Oh, okay. Well, never uh, mind. Yeah, then. Yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert: it's the biggest show in the world. But yeah, he cut never his balls off. Then. Um, 
So he isolated his children from the outside world and beat the children with a stick or baseball bat whenever they talked to boys or did not learn less learn their lessons. So if they didn't learn about vampires or him being Jesus or read read his flashcards that he made, which I feel like this guy had bad handwriting. He looks like it. If they didn't do any of those things or he saw him like talking to a boy at the mailbox, mm-hmm. like he beat them with a stick or he, a baseball bat. He gave him the Joe Johnson treatment. Joe, Joe Jackson? Jackson, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think Joe Jackson was fucking his kids, but like partial Joe Jackson treatment. Yeah, that, like you halfway. Know that, you know that. Yeah, halfway Joe Jackson treatment. <laughs> Half the. Well, you know, look, man, look. You know what? I'm gonna defend Joe Jackson for a second. Look, <laughs> he beat those kids into fame and stardom. Yeah, okay? true, but still, this guy beat his kids into a basement and uh, having mongoloid children. So it is not the same thing. It's half Je- Joe Jackson treatment. He did beat them with a stick, but his his stick didn't come with any inspiration behind it. Joe Jackson was like, you need to learn these dance moves. Wow. And then Michael Jackson nailed him. And this guy was like, you need to learn that my name is Javampa Marcus Pyre. Bow! And then well, just, he was trying to teach him math. Well, then, hey, my bad. You're right. He was trying to educate him. What? My bad. You're right. He's a good guy. I'm not. I sorry. didn't say he was a good guy. Sorry, I said. Star. I'm going to move on. Yeah, so the good guy, Mr. Marcus I Wesson. didn't say that. Despite this abuse, many in the family fondly remember the, their days with Mr. Wesson. He devised entertainments for the family, such as plays, concerts, and ugly contests, in which the children would dress up to be as ugly as possible. I'm sure that wasn't hard. Well, yeah, I'm sure these kids, I mean, look, I don't mean to be uh, <laughs> cosmetic about it, but if you're, I'm trying to trying to really figure, okay, so if you're, he had a, he had a kid with his kid, so if your father is also your grandfather, you probably look like uh, Rocky Dennison, which is like uh, this movie from the '80s. He looks super fucked up. You probably, and if you don't look super fucked up, your mind is the odds of you being like Rocky legit, Dennison. What's that? It's a movie. It's like the Mask. Yeah, the Mask. That's, that's oh, okay. That's the kid from uh, Mask. Uh, I didn't know his name. I knew yeah, the, movie, the kid from Mask. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can't okay. remember. I thought the. I don't know why I thought the name was Rock. The movie was Rocky. <laughs> that's his name in the movie. Yeah, you probably look like the kid from Mask. Yeah, is what I imagine. So I was like, "All right, guys, we're gonna have the ugly contest." It's like, I'm me, and then like, "Oh man, you win!" You know, uh, is what I imagine. But uh, you know, every kid is beautiful in their own way, right? I don't know. I don't know. I've seen some ugly kids. I. I Sorry, guys. I don't mean I'm sorry to be to break be the one to break the news to you, but kids can be ugly. Oh yeah, most definitely. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Wesson weighs about 400 pounds, and one neighbor in Fresno described his hair as one big, long, greasy dreadlock. Ugh. It was just caked in dirt and oil. Mm. When Mr. Wesson would go out with the family, the women wore dark robes and walked behind him in silence, with their eyes cast down. So this is like uh, the Handmaid's Tale. Which have you have you started that show yet? Mm-mm. Oh, oh god! I'll I can't wait till this I, you week. keep talking about it. So I cannot it. wait until this week. Something big happened last week, and it finally got. Is it on Netflix? It's on Hulu. Oh, I got. Hulu. But the thing okay. about the show, all is, of it, all of it. Oh yeah, it's okay. a, like a Hulu show. All right. So it's it's exclusively on Hulu. The thing about the show, I warn you and warn anybody who hasn't watched it, is nothing good happens in the show until this week. I don't mean like the show's great. But it's so depressing and nothing good ever happens to the people in the show until this past week. Something finally, something good finally happened. You already seen it? Yeah. Oh. I'm waiting for next week to see what happens oh. next. It's like a cliffhanger. But How it was many seasons is it? Two. It's in the second season now. Oh, best. I can catch up. Yeah, it's, yeah, okay, it's cool. just in the second right. season. The first season, the first, ep- the first season was like 10 episodes. And I think this season is, 
You got to watch like 17 episodes right. in total to be caught up. All right. But anyway, The Handmaid's Tale is very similar to what wearing, having to wear certain kind of clothes, keep your head down, respect men, don't talk. Handmaid's Tale is very much like that. Um, highly recommend Handmaid's Tale. If you haven't watched it, it's a I huge show. But like, I know you haven't seen it, so I definitely recommend again. Right. You should check it out. Um, so yeah, they would have their eyes cast down. Uh, when the Wessons lived on their tugboat, the girls would row Mr. Wesson to shore and back. So I'm, I, picture, I picture him standing on the edge of the boat, like with his chest out, like, like George, fucking George, George Washington, Washington. Yeah, <laughs> crossing the Delaware. Like, girls, we need to go to Giant to get groceries <laughs> or Publix, depending on the region you live in. I don't know your local grocery store. They rode that man. Yeah, they <laughs> on the edge of the boat. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they rode him. <laughs> uh, they rode him like they were slaves, says one neighbor. I had him pegged as some sort of Jonestown cult. So this is what people were saying about him mm-hmm. after the fact, though. And after the fact, I'll get to what after the fact means. All of the boys in the family moved out of the house when they were old enough, as did most of the girls. However, two of the daughters, Sabrina Wesson and Elizabeth Briani Wesson, and one of the nieces, Rosa Solario, stayed with their family into adulthood, supporting the family. There were also several young children still in the house. In 2003, the Wessons bought a house in Fresno that had been an office building, which I didn't, I didn't know you could live in. Me either. Well, I don't think you can, but they did. Because, I mean, with this family's history, this is like, the, they're Jeffersons now. They moved up, yeah. Yeah, they, they used to live in a boat. Bus. Yeah, <laughs> They lived in a bus, in a <laughs> boat, in a tent. An office building? Oh, yeah, this is like a mansion. <laughs> There's walls? Oh, it's not rusty? I don't have to worry about getting tetanus. Oh God, yeah, this is great. So yeah, they bought a, a house. Well, they bought an they bought an office building. They, I don't, I don't know. Uh, so they, uh, um, city authorities moved to evict the family because it was a non residential building. Clearly, yeah, like you can't live you can't live in a building that used to be a taxation off, off. It used to be a Wells Fargo. You can't live in an old bank. They're probably surprised. Like what? Yeah, what do you mean? We used to live in a tugboat. <laughs> Can't live in a. This is a building. It has walls. Why can't we live in it? <laughs> we don't live by those rules, man. He he lives. This dude Marcus lives by his own rules, man. Uh, yeah. So the prospect of eviction may have played some part in precipitating the murders. Mister Wesson probably saw it as a part of a plot against him and his family, but the primary trigger for the murders was March twelfth, two thousand four. A visit from Ruby Ortiz and uh, Sofina Solorio, his um, his two of his nieces. Hmm. Uh, the two nieces had moved out of the house, and they wanted Mr. Wesson to give them their daughters. He refused, and the family shouted and cursed at them, calling them Judas, whore, wow. and Lucifer. Uh, the two women left without their children and returned with police. Officers ordered Mr. Wesson to come out, but he fled inside that building. I was going to say house, but it's not. A, <laughs> he fled inside of the building. The police called the city attorney who told them they had no legal right to go inside. Mm. Then Rosa Solorio and Mrs. Wesson came out of the building and reported Mr. Wesson had a gun. Police then backed up and a SWAT team arrived. Just as they were taking positions around the house, Mr. Wesson emerged covered in blood and surrendered. Relatives of the victims blamed police for not taking action sooner. What the police found inside was so horrific to them that some of them went on uh, administrative leave or into counseling. Oh, the nine bodies of Mr. Weston's children who were all shot through the eye 
were tangled up in a bloody pile of clothing. What? The victims ranged in age from 1 to 25. Two were Mr. Wesson's daughter. Two were, two were Mr. Wesson's daughters. The other seven were children from his daughters and nieces, all of wow. them under eight years of age. The ten coffins Mr. Wesson had bought lined the wall of one of the rooms. What? That night, six police chaplains, which is like, like priests, they had to come. They, they came to the scene to soothe the detectives gathering evidence. That's Damn. how horrific the crime scene was. Uh, the mayor of Fresno said the city would never be the same again after the largest mass killing in its history. As police attempted to piece together the grisly puzzle, Wesson, who remained in custody with bail set at $9 million, Damn. remained calm and cooperated with police. Law enforcement spent at the spent a lot wait. Law enforcement spent hours at the crime scene gathering evidence. Identifying the bodies was difficult since some of the women involved were afraid to come forward. As new information was unveiled, it became clear that the sordid details leading up to the tragic ending of nine lives was laced with words like polygamy, incest, rituals, and cults. At his trial, Wesson, represented by a public defender named Peter Jones and Ralph Torres, sorry, I had to probably read that again. At his trial, Wesson, represented by public defenders Peter Jones and Ralph Torres, presented the defense that his 25-year-old daughter, Sabrina, whose 18-month-old son, Marshy, who was Wesson's own son and grandson, had committed the murders and then subsequently committed suicide. So he pinned it all on one of his wow. daughters who was dead, dead in the house. Uh, the murder weapon, a 22 caliber handgun, was found with her, with her body, and Sabrina's DNA was found on the gun, which lent credence to Wesson's claims. Now, what I'll say here is it is completely possible that this woman did it, but it was done because of the teachings that he had brainwashed her with over her entire life mm -hmm. that we don't, we don't, the police are Satan and they won't come in here and take our children. So even if that is the case, it would be, like if, if if Jim Jones wasn't found dead, he would have been charged with 900 murders, mm -hmm. you know, because even if those people drank the Kool-Aid, he made the Kool-Aid, he brainwashed these people, he put them in those circumstances. So right. he, for him to try to use some kind of Johnny Cochran defense, like, oh, I didn't kill anybody. She did it. <laughs> it's like, that's insane, you know, um, but that's how cocky he is. He's like, oh, I didn't do, I didn't do anything. Right. Um. That's crazy. Yeah, the juror declined to find that Wesson fired. Wait. Yeah, the juror, the jury declined to find that Wesson fired the fatal shots, but convicted him of murder anyway, presumably finding that he had persuaded his children to enter into a suicide pact. So even though they were like, "Well, you know, we don't care. Mm -hmm. We don't care if you didn't shoot them. You're guilty," is basically what the jury mm -hmm. said. Uh, Wesson was convicted of nine counts of first-degree murder on June 17, 2005, and also found guilty of 14 counts of forcible sexual assault and sexual molestation of seven of his of his daughters and nieces. Wesson was sentenced to death on June 27, 2005. Damn. Yes, so that was the story. So they shot him all in the eye? Do the he, eye? He contests. There are theories that either they killed themselves or that... Yes, one person went through and, and, 
and shot. And he bought them. caskets for every one of them. That's crazy. Bought ten caskets. He said, "We're not going. We're not going. The police are Satan, and we if if we push comes to shove, we aren't going with them." Wow. So that was the story of Marcus Dillon, Marcus Dillon Wesson. Uh, what's what's really interesting is this happened in two thousand four. It got no kind of media attention. Nobody was talking about it. It was going on around the same time as that Lacey Peterson story. I don't know if you um, know the full details of that. Like, he killed his pregnant wife. He's in jail. They did a recent story about it. But, like, that completely was the sweep of the nation. It was the biggest story in the country. Was it white? Yeah. Oh. It was the biggest story. Clearly. It was the biggest story (laughs) in the country. And then here comes this guy who killed nine of his children who were his grandchildren and children because he was raping his own children and created children with them mm-hmm. and then he killed everybody's dead and it didn't it didn't it didn't make national attention at all that's crazy so uh yeah so that's the story of Marcus Wesson and uh his um crazy family it's it's still known as the biggest uh mass killing in Fresno history damn yeah um but yeah so yeah Ooh. a lot of a lot of a lot of dead kids today yeah jeez um yeah Got anything else? No. Um, no. Oh, I want to give a shout out to Angelique. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mr. Fran is very irresponsible. <clears throat> and we had a whole plan because he told me that uh, your your beautiful um, package had come in the mail and that, that it came with a letter. And we aren't we aren't we still aren't going to don't open it, Fran. We, uh, we were I, told her, re- I told her I already told, I told her that. Um, that you forgot it? No, I thought he was going to read it. Oh, okay, on, yeah. On well, air, I'm sure she is I expecting to read it's hear it on Monday. Anyway, I can't wait. I guess I have to wait a little bit longer, but we're we're not going to open your letter until we open it and read it on mail, read it on live on the podcast. We can't wait to hear what you have to say, but we have to wait another week unfortunately because Sorry. this guy, this is your king. I left is it this home. your king? I forget. Is this your king? Okay, you know I give you props one minute and you come around, and you slap me in my face, man. I, I go to get on Team Fran Star and then look what you do. Sorry. Um. So yeah. So we just, but we do have the uh the 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 art and we have the letter. Um. I can't wait to get it. I'm gonna take it personally. I'm gonna take it to a frame shop, get it framed, hang it up in the pod loft, hang you know, and so it can give us beautiful energy as we tell stories. And um, we appreciate you, Miss Angelique, once again. Yep. And uh. You know, uh, next week, right? Also, yeah. Also, if you guys send stuff to the PO box, put it in my name Jeez. because diva. Because um, what a diva. When it when um, when she sent it, it was in your name, but they didn't put it in my box. Oh wow, I'm not worthy. No, it's the box is just not in your name. That's why. Why isn't the, why am I not involved <laughs> in the box? Because I just because when I what when I, when I signed up for it, when I, sorry when I signed up for it, I just put my name. I didn't I didn't put like. Who's you know, you know who's yeah. going to use you the edit, box? Can you, just, can you edit that? Yeah, I think you can do it now. If, but. You, if you edit it, we're gonna ask people to send it to affirmative murder. Is yeah. that weird? Do you think that? I thought get, that, that's why I didn't do you it. They don't get flagged. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's why I didn't. That's why I didn't. Because <laughs> the funny thing is, the clerk, I was like, did I get something? And he was like, um, yeah, it had, had the box number, but it didn't have your, what name was it. What name was when I was like, am I, am I? I don't know what to say. I was like, um, I don't know. Yeah. We should, <laughs> I didn't want to say into, affirmative murder. I yeah, <laughs> so she looked at me like with a yeah. stink eye. I'm gonna look into if you should. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, 
you know, uh, I'm gonna have a, I have a, I have a relationship pers- close personal with uh, Karen Kilgariff. You know, sometimes I tweet her and she tweets me back. I'm gonna ask her if they have their PO box as my favorite murder. Okay. Because if if they do, then they have murder in their name. Okay. So yeah, I just was like know, that. But yeah, I was when I said it out loud to you, I was like, oh yeah, no, never mind. Is yeah. that like terrorist? Kind of thing? <laughs> and it, it was like, is it was it under Alva Williams? I was like, oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, for now, folks, just if you do send us anything, which you know we would love, no pressure, obviously, but right. um. You know, um, Fran has requested Reese's. I've requested things that like would benefit the podcast, like Nilla wafer cereal. If anybody, uh, we I seen that we did, we got I've a negative, we got a we got a negative review from one of our male, uh, um, uh, brothers brethren in the in the Facebook group who said, you know, it the dry Ooh. test was superb. He said the oh. dry test was superb, was superb, not suburbs. The dry test was superb, but the the when he had it with some milk, it wasn't that good. The the um. Vanilla wafers? The vanilla wafers banana pudding cereal. Oh, okay. He didn't... I asked him to chop some bananas up in it and get back, let me know how that thing hit mm-hmm. off, you know. When did he well, buy it? They Apparently, it's at Walmart. People always keep telling me stuff like, it's at Walmart, just go in there. I'm like, look, when I was in Walmart, I didn't see this. So I don't know if y'all are just screenshotting looked, pictures from Walmart.com. I looked it up, and it was like, it's not being sold right now or something like that. I don't know, man. People be trying to, people be trying to like, get this. But I'm like, I can't... You just because you Googled cereal and <laughs> screenshotted and sent, I don't know where it is. If you guys are able to get your hands on it, please, we would love to put it in a little box and send it to us. We would love to review or it. Or let us know some stores where they have like different types of cereals. Yeah. It's hard. Actually, it's kind of hard sometimes. Yo, like, the, these, the three big, these three big markets got the monopoly on cereal. You can't just come in and be like an indie cereal. Right. I've never seen an indie cereal like by Marcus, you know, like in the corners, just like Marcus uh, cereal. And it's some cool cereal. It's like post. General Mills, yep. they all kind of run the gambit on cereal. But if you guys know, we can get some like uh, soup. We want to, we love the, we would love to rep some indie cereals, mm-hmm. some cereals nobody's eating right now. Just like people eat making cereal for the love of it, we would love to try those. But we don't know where to get those or if they even exist. Right. Anyway, we're not going to continue to ramble on. Angelique, we will be reading your letter next week. We thank you once again very much. Please don't. I know we keep letting you down. I know we keep letting you down. First, we didn't have any way to get you the letter, get get your art. Now we got the art, but we still, you know, we need we need another week to get it here and, and appreciate it and read your beautiful words. That I hope I hope. What if the, we open the letter? We wait. No one's like. First of all, here's your stupid art that <laughs> since you guys took forever to get it. I'm not. I don't listen anymore. This will be the last time that you guys hear from me. Fuck off, <laughs> broke boys. Signed, Angelique. Um. But yeah, so this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in True Crime. And folks, it's Memorial Day weekend. Specifically, today is Memorial Day when we're releasing this episode. So have a good time. Be safe. Eat some eat some tasty food. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 